everybody, and thanks again for joining us for an episode of Blacktop Banter. These episodes and how they are brought to you could not be done without the assistance of our sponsors. So please take your time and listen to the sponsors here at the beginning of the show and to our secondary sponsors after the show. They are all great companies within our industry that are looking to help us out in any way they can. This episode of Blacktop Banter is brought to you by KM International. KM International has been manufacturing the highest quality asphalt maintenance equipment for over 30 years. They started out as a two-man operation working in a pole barn. Now they got 40 employees working out of a 36,000 square foot manufacturing facility. It all started from their propane-fired skid-mounted hot box, and now they got over 40 different product offerings for contractors like you, like myself, whether it's private or municipal, whatever. Also, this commitment to our industry is one of the reasons that KM has been used now in over 44 countries and every single state in the United States of America. When it comes to KM, I immediately think of their infrared machines, but a lot of people also use their hot boxes. I would love to get my hands on one of these soon. I have seen them all over the country being used by contractors and municipalities, and some of these machines are you know, they've been around for a while when you see them. And I got to believe that that's probably because they increase profitability. So people keep them going. They're built really, really well. I was lucky enough to see a demo of one recently uh, at World of Asphalt. So they're built really, really well. Therefore, if they last a while and you're able to use them, you're going to get some cost savings and you're going to increase profitability, especially if you're using the infrared machines because you're not going to be cutting out and using material. If you want to check out more about KM International, they're on social media. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They also have a YouTube channel. If you want to get more information and you want to call, you can call 800-492-1757. You can also email them as well if you'd like. Sales at kminternational.com. One of the best ways, I think, is just to go to the website, kminternational.com. You'll be able to check out the full lineup and get started right there with checking out all the equipment out and reaching out to somebody if you want to check one out, demo one out and get interested. We've had our 800 network phone number on the side of our trucks and our vehicles and everywhere else here at Wiscote and Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance for a while now. And we're really glad to have them as a sponsor for the podcast for the next unforeseeable future, hopefully. But uh, some of the advantages that I want to talk about real quick about having an 800 network number is that A or one, we'll start with numbers. One, you get more work. Uh, two, it's really easy to cover the cost of the number for a year. One small job would cover that. So, you know, the rest of the calls and everything that comes in are, is strictly advantageously profit. The other thing is that you get exclusive discounts from top industry leaders. That's a big group network. They give you a group discount. We've used that discount um, by, for one of our sealer manufacturers and suppliers. The other thing is that they do reach out and get you national account work as well. So some of those big box stores and things you've been trying to get into. One of the other things is that the, the number is really easy to remember. Whichever you put on there, it helps with your branding and the calls go directly to you. So if somebody does call that number, it goes straight to you. And, you know, it's not so easy to get an advantage over your competition um, from, you know, here and there maybe a little bit. But 
when you talk about branding, having a branding power over your competition who has a number that's hard to remember and you go by and it just says 1-800-ASPHALT or 1-800-SEAL-COATING or 1-800-BLACKTOP, that's going to be pretty easy to remember. If you're in parades or you're out working on a job and your truck is parked there all day, your vehicles are parked there all day, that is going to get branded into people's minds over time. The other thing is when you join 800 Pavement Network, you're joining over 300 pavement contractors who've generated over $2 billion in combined total sales. So if you're interested, if you're curious, it's really easy to reach out and they will get back to you there at the 800 Pavement Network. You can call 1-800-PAVEMENT. That'll get you there. You can go to the website, 1-800-PAVEMENT.COM. That'll also get you there. And 800 Pavement Network is very active on social media. So you can find them on almost all social media outlets. Go ahead and type that in, 800 Network, 800 Pavement Network, and you'll find them. So I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about 28 Circles before and Jason share over there at 28 Circles. Uh, their marketing and SEO service that they provide has probably quadrupled our workload here in Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance and has added to our workload here at Wiscoat, which has allowed us to expand, to grow, to hire new people. Um, I can honestly, truthfully point directly to hiring Jason and the team at 28 Circles to take care of our SEO, our website, and some of our marketing there with Google and everything else to generate our leads and to help build our brand. It has literally helped us immensely. You know, you, it's rare that you get a marketing company that is strictly for asphalt and seal coating companies, but that's what 28 Circles is. Jason will call you, he'll email you, he'll text you. You deal with him directly to set up everything and how to reach your goals and develop a brand on Google and more. What he offers is a done for you, that's in air quotes, um, websites and marketing so that you don't have to worry about it, man. You want to be out there working, you know, putting asphalt down, seal coating, doing all that stuff and not worrying about you know, whether you have a great presence here or a great presence there, they take care of it for you. Right now at 28 Circles, they have two offerings. One is the welcome mat. It's $149 a month. Think about that. Let's just say you times that by 12. One job pays for that, right? If you times it by 10, one decent job pays for that, whether you're seal coating. If you're paving, it definitely covers it. That's it. And you don't have to worry about it the rest of the year. The second one is the growth plan. So let's say you've already reached a certain point and you want to improve and grow and do more. The growth plan is $449 a month and it includes everything in the welcome mat package plus everything that would help you grow and even grow and grow and even grow. You know, that's the idea of the increase of the growth plan over the welcome mat plan. If you call Jason at 720-476-2260 and mention myself, Marvin, or Blacktop Banter or anything like that, he will waive the $199 setup fee. It's gone. You don't have to worry about that thing. The other thing is there is a link below in this description of this episode. Scroll down there. You'll see it at the bottom. It'll say 28 circles link. Click that and that'll get you that $199 off the setup fee as well. 
And if you want to just check stuff out before you call or click the link or do whatever, go to 28circles.net and you'll find it there. I cannot recommend this to you guys enough. We are in a digital age. If you're trying to do it yourself, you're probably missing out and you're stretching yourself too thin. It's okay for the start, but hire a professional, somebody who does this all the time. And 28 Circles is strictly designed for our industry. I cannot preach that enough to you guys. I hope you call them. I hope you hire them. And I hope you get more and more and more success off of making a right choice like this one here. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Black Top Banter. We've been having quite a mixture as of late, whether it was contractors or indie race car drivers like the previous episode. And I really wanted to get onto somebody that knows our industry somewhat better than I do on all scales and does a lot with marketing and branding. I know I get a lot of calls and I feel a lot of questions about branding and what we do. I, I employ like a shotgun tactic where I just put out a lot of content all the time on every platform through every business. And I make it so that people are synonymous. You know, when they think Wiscode is synonymous with asphalt maintenance, you think about a podcast in the industry, you think of blacktop banter. That's my approach. There are more tactical, a lot better ways to take down your prey than always using the shotgun approach like I do. So I really in, am happy to have, not only another voice that I believe is fantastic at branding as well, but a female voice as well, which I always enjoy that perspective on this podcast. Jeannie, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. First off, thanks for letting me come and hang out with you today. Super excited. My name is Jeannie. I actually grew up in the industry. So I am currently Jeannie Rinkob, was raised Jeannie Brazier. So I grew up in Brazier Asphalts. So I spent over 20, 25 years growing up in the family business. So I've ran the screed, the roller, done the traffic control, all the things. Um, so did a lot of sales and marketing, was super blessed where we were. We were mostly Southwest United States, a lot in New Mexico, Colorado. We had some really great partners. We had Coke Industries, Holly Asphalts, um, Southwest Emulsions, and I had amazing mentors, not just even in my company, but outside, which is one of the things I love about the industry. And then also had an opportunity to go and work for some other great names in the company. Like I said, one of our partners was Coke. And so I got to go and do a stint with Coke in their pavement solutions and performance roads in the Midwest region. So I got to spend some lab time in Terre Haute, Indiana, which was really fun. Um, yeah. Geeked out in the lab a little bit and made some really great contacts in that region as well. And then ended up back in Colorado and did a stint with Vance Brothers as well, which is another great, really incredible company, family business that's just had incredible success and still a lot of the same folks still working there than when I was there. I always love going back and connecting with them. So that's really great. And um, just really all the great contacts. I just was at World of Asphalt not long ago. And it's just so fun to see everybody. Yeah. So yeah, I am. I've got a little bit of time here. <laughs> I keep coming back. My husband tried to get me into ag. 
and I went for a while and it's like a rubber band. I just snapped right back. Yeah. That's one thing I've come to find out is that like, I don't know if it's just safe or we just know it, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's always interesting. Our industry is, there's always something else going on. Right. And for me, I enjoy that aspect of it, that it's not super overcomplicated, but yet there's always improvements and things going on. And, and now when, you know, when we talk about branding and marketing and business side of it, it opens a whole new can of worms besides just the actual labor that we do, right? right. And the things we install. So, right. you know, let's talk about how, well, we, we can talk about story built and, and everything <laughs> and, and that aspect of business as well. And, you know, we're in a new day and age and, you know, flashback, 10, 15 years ago, you and I wouldn't have been doing a podcast like this no. at all, right? And especially no. about asphalt, I have a feeling we wouldn't have been. No. But times have changed. They've changed rapidly. Talk about that a little bit and with story build and what you do. So, I mean, it's, I think that's, you're right. Like our industry is evolving. It's evolving. I think really quickly in the last five years, I feel like it's had a huge acceleration. Um, I feel like the world is just shrinking on us and, you know, we're really starting to open our eyes to what other things other industries are doing, which creates new opportunities for us right here. So I think I, I love, I'm addicted to podcasts. I'm, I'm a total podcast junkie, but, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if that's the marketer in me. I love reading. I love books. I love to learn. So I think that this is a great platform of like free quality information yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's helped shrink our community and helped connect us and share best practices and share stories, which I think when it comes to building a business to going to work every single day, it's all about stories. And that's how, you know, connecting, making connections, it's, it's marketing, it's technology and all these tools, right? Like podcasting, but it still comes down to the human connections and the stories that we can share, which I think that likens back to when we were cavemen sitting around, communicating, sharing stories, passing time, sharing knowledge from one generation to the next. Some of this stuff hasn't changed. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the the major reasons why Blacktop Banner exists when I talk about the origin story of it is simply there were stories being told at National Pavement Expo when I first started going that some people had never heard. And if something were to happen to these people, they would never hear them. They would just be lost. And and some of these stories were fantastic. And some of them were like you were talking about free knowledge. They were great pieces of knowledge that I was getting that I knew were going to help me scale my business. And if I would have went and met these people and heard these stories, this wouldn't have happened. When that started to transition to that's how you grow your business too and connect with other people when that kind of little, you know, electrode went and connected. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, okay. So, you know, that's, that's how we, that's how I do my branding now is we try to tell a story, you know, we started Dubuque asphalt maintenance and you can follow a vlog along of me starting in an office that I had to rent. And now we've moved into where we're doing commercial estimates and everything else. So it's been a fantastic journey. And the story is the fun part of it. It keeps right. people engaged. Right. Absolutely. I mean, if we think about stories, there's so many great stories. And when I hear you talk, it reminds me of things, stories that I have from my past that I like to tell. 
And we talked about how we always keep coming back to this industry, right? And people leave and then they come back or they just, they never leave. They really stay here and they build a whole life here and they raise their families. And we're very generational. We're very word of mouth attracting industry. And I think about um, when I was about eight years old and I share this story and it's one that really resonates with people when I share it. And I hear other people say very similar things. I was driving between Albuquerque, New Mexico and Grants with my dad. We were headed to visit a customer. And I asked him, you know, dad, of all the things that we could do for business, why this? Like, you know, it's, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's dirty, it's long hours, it's <laughs> seasonal. Like, you know, you, if you grew up in a family business, you see the stress, you know. Oh, yeah. So, and he said, you know, I get to be part of building the backbone of this country. I'm just one person, but if I do this, I get to be a part of something much bigger. I get people to work safe. I get goods to grocery stores, you know, and he would point out people on the road and he said, you know, like that guy driving in his truck right now is driving on a safer road and he's going to get to work and he's going to make a living. And then he's going to get home to his family. And his wife drove to the grocery store that day and his kids were in the bus and they were safe you know, and the truck made it to the grocery store and the military got to the base, like, and it completely changed the way I felt about what we did. And that never left me. And I see that in the people that are in this industry that work in this industry. And I think it's part of why I am super passionate about, you know, helping people grow their businesses. We like risk so much. We put so much out there the work we do is essential and it's vital. And especially look at COVID-19, we were so essential. Like this work had to keep going. So I think I'm just, I want to see more people succeed in this business, but it's hard to run your business and be in the trenches every day. And then all of a sudden you look up and you go, what's my next move? How am I going to grow? I have a million things I could do, but I don't know what the right one is. I only have so many time, so much time, so much asset, you know, what am I going to do to get to that next level so I can build a bigger team, offer them more security, all of the things that we want to do. Yeah. And, you know, when you hit the nail on the head with your dad thinking that deep, right, about what it is, it basically boils down to it's important, right? Like, right. What we do is just important. And when I first started putting myself out there with Wiscoat making YouTube videos and different things, I would get calls to the business phone. Half the calls would be contractors or people that wanted to start doing what we were doing with the maintenance and being like, Hey, how do I do this? Hey, how do I do that? And then a lot of it, I was like, you're farther along than I am. Like I, (laughs) I I don't have the answer to this one, but I do know some people that do. Right. Or I would, I would like, Hey, go to national payment expo, go to world of asphalt, ask these people, these questions, just walk up and ask them. They'll tell you like they, they will, they love to share it. And everybody wants best practices. If you're in our industry and you want a better industry, you understand that best practices is the best way to go about it. Not only does it improve our industry, but it improves our top line too, as well, eventually um, just because we're doing so much better work, but to fall back to, to what we were talking about, it's important. And like you said, you want to help. That's the whole reason why this exists. I would, I would get calls from people who say, Marvin, I don't want to work at a job anymore. I'm, I did this in high school. I did this in college for a guy that was very successful. I want to be successful at it. We need it. My family needs it. 
And then right. some of my best advice early on was, thank God, yeah, I was right about it, was Facebook ads are the best money you can spend right now. Drop a pin on your location where you want to work. Turn the camera around on your face and tell them what you have to offer. And right. luckily, at the time when I dropped that right. information, it was hitting perfect in stride. Thanks right. to Gary V pounding it in my head. It worked <laughs> out fantastically. But times have changed now. I it, mean, that's yes. a, it, it's clouded. I mean, it's 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 clouded in there. There's a lot going on. How do we sort right. that out? Jeannie, how do we sort all that out? I think I think what you're saying is is so right. And we're seeing it more than ever. And it's our industry is this weird thing because I think everybody's opening their eyes to. So when I think about um brand and I think about brand strategy, one of the models I use is the clock model. And you think about all the exposure pre-purchase, like right, like everything that attracts a customer to you, their very first awareness of you. And that's a lot of what, you know, back in the day, our consumer products would just pump millions of dollars. You know, Coke, when Coke started, they just pump millions of dollars out there and you buy Tide and you buy Crest and, and that's how you did it. That doesn't work anymore. Right. Um, but yet we still have to show up. We still have to have brand recognition and awareness, but we have to start thinking about other things. So if we think about it, that's the first part of the clock model, maybe the 12 to three, and then maybe the four to seven or so. And it can, it can be different based on each company's you know position is the purchase. Right. And what is the experience like? And I always think about it as customer touch points as we go around the clock, right? And it can be employee touch points because you can apply this to attracting talent into your company. You can uh, apply it to attracting customers into your company. You can use it for attracting better partners into your company. You know, but what are the touch points then when they actually purchase your product? What is it like when your salesperson goes out there and gives them a proposal and how do you make it memorable and a really great experience? So people want more from that and they want more from what we call post-purchase on the backside these days. Right. They want more from that experience. They expect more because other industries have shifted that way. Correct. Even Nike, who is a powerhouse, right, in the pre-purchase, in the advertising, you can smell a Nike ad, I think, three commercials before you. (laughs) Like, they're just amazing. But they have even shifted and gotten more into really owning their distribution and stuff like that, because it's just hard to swim in that bloody water anymore. So I think we have to get more creative about understanding what are the other touch points we have with our customers or our mm-hmm. partners or our employees. And then I always think about it in terms of recycling. We can recycle those experiences and touch points back into our pre-purchase, back into your podcast, back into your social media. Mm-hmm. And it becomes more authentic and it's more real then because it's not you creating something, it's you showing and showing what it could be like for them and what success is like on the backside for your customers or your great partner yeah. or the employees on your team and how they're you're meeting their needs and meeting them where they're at too. So I'm thinking about it a little bit differently. And for me, I'm kind of like a, a business strategy junkie. Yeah. <laughs> so I just have a different approach and I'm always breaking it down into models and I'm finding models that we can use. And I'm looking at case studies from other industries and companies and how can we borrow what they've already learned or they've done. So I think 
that is the first thing that comes to mind when I think about how do you really be unique is think about it. There's more to just running ads these days, right? Right. And then if you are putting content out, how do you be authentic and leverage all the customer touch points to be part of that and get the most value for your company? And honestly, people are, it's what's working these days. It's authentic. It's real. And people want to see under the kimono or behind the curtain or whatever you want to say, right? Yes. People want to know like what's for real here. Yeah. So I think that matters too. Um, And then we have to think about being different. How are we going to differentiate from our competition, from other employers? And just because, you know, I think, and I keep saying, you know, employees and employers, because that's a big thing right now in our industry is workforce development. And that's what some of my client projects right now are working on. And because we can apply a lot of the same strategies and the tools that we use in marketing and sales to attracting better teams and building better cultures. How much of that do you think is reliant on the foundation being the culture of the company to begin with, as far as the points and things? Do you think that's... I think it's really big. Yeah. I think it's really big. So actually, when I work with clients, some of the stuff we talk about is actually the brand, the essence of the brand and the brand identity. And we talk about things like, what are your immutable laws Um, for... Um, example, I, I worked with a company, one of their immutable laws, we were working on some mission and stuff like that to try to really kind of help them. They were, they've been around for multiple generations and they felt like they kind of needed to re get in touch with what they stood for now before they could really decide how do we want to position ourselves in the market. Mm -hmm. And so we went back and we actually redid submission and I used something called immutable laws. I first think I heard about it from, um, Mike McCallowitz, I want to say in his toilet I, paper entrepreneur book, maybe. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's where it was. Um, and he talks about one um, where it was like, um, no jackasses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we just won't work with or do business with people that are dicks, like right. just They're, whatever. Get it. Um, so like they were creating some stuff like that. And it really helped him, first off, helped him understand who are we going to hire? Like, yeah. You know, like who fits our culture? Who are we going to let walk through the doors? Because one of the reasons culture is hard to change is because we have to be intentional about who we let through those doors. And if we don't know what we want to protect in our culture, and we haven't identified that and communicated it to our team, which is really important, you can sit in a room with the key stakeholders and decide this stuff. But if you don't communicate it to your team and you don't wear it on your sleeve and own it, Correct. You can't get, you're never going to get traction. Right. Yeah. So I think it matters. It matters a lot, but it's hard to move those things. And I think that part of that is that our industry, all the companies within it, I mean, you know, not huge companies, obviously they have a better shot at having more leaders and more positions to help enforce a culture. Right. But, But most of them that are you know, 25, 50 employees, whatever, there's a real laissez faire kind of attitude where it's just like, this is, it is, this is how it's been. This is what it is. We're a jumble right. of all this mixture together. And then when you are out in the marketplace, right, if we're, if we're doing work and people can feel that, the customer can feel that, they can see that, whether they're right. a manager your or partners, whatever. your suppliers. Right. And, and we're in an industry that is always a little behind compared to advanced right. industries. And rather right. than that being a negative, we can actually have a positive of that doing like you were talking right. about you're you know reading on business strategy and everything else and all these other industries 
where the change has already happened, we get a chance to kind of not get hit in the face with it. We can right. kind of plan for it and move into it and do those types of things. It, it, how do we, how do we do that? Like, how do we, you know, for me, it's easy for me to say, well, I just do it because I, I've surrounded myself with that kind of culture outside right. of the industry with my friends and stuff. But when you're in one, like if you're in a company that isn't like that, what's your first step? Like, is it, is it people right away? I mean, there's core values. And like you said, immutable law right. and things like that. But when, if you come up with a plan, how do you start enforcing that thing? What's some advice for that for starters? Right. I think the first thing, and I mentioned it is you got to be methodical about communicating it. So like when I think about the company specifically that I was thinking about, once we did that, we actually created communication pieces. We created a keynote for the leader. We created some emails and what we did, because I'm very, um, I spend a lot of time on research and strategy at front, but I believe in like taking everything full circle. So I really feel like, okay, how are we going to take this big stuff that feels a little bit fluffy and abstract yep. and how do we actually take it down to every single person in the company and mean something? So we actually went through an exercise where we took it down every single level and we really determined, and I do, um, I like to use what I call like a functional mission statement too, so that we can, every single person in the company can look at that and say, I know how my job can impact that. Mm -hmm. And so we actually went down and every single person in their company had metrics like lead activities that they knew would impact lag metrics Okay, that actually moved that functional mission statement because it was a mission statement. And it had a little bit of fluff to it, but it actually had some very specific things like how many customers are we going to impact? Okay. And what, what does success look like? And so, you know, somebody in HR could specifically say how their role in supporting and hiring X number of new people and increasing retention was going to help them get to that goal. Right. And so it helped him get really, really clear about, look, these three activities are probably the most important thing in my job. I may do a lot of other stuff, but it helped them get really clear on like, I know what my most important activities are every single day. Wow. So for me, I like to see something like that go all the way from the top, all the way to the bottom so mm -hmm. that you actually feel momentum yeah. all the way to the company. Yeah. And, and you, you said a key word there with feel. You can right. feel like right here where we are at, at Wiscote in my office. We have four sayings on the floor. As soon as you walk in, the guy see them every day. And one of my favorite ones is don't half-ass it today, right? Like right. I want them to see that. But even though they're there and even though they're in front, I can feel atmospherically when we've taken our foot and our focus, you know, our foot off the gas and our focus off of the road with our core values that we have. So mm -hmm. then is it something it, where when you feel that when you're in the leadership position to feel that where you do something to revisit that, I mean, how do you keep that momentum going from the top up all the way down, especially when you can feel that we're straying from it a little bit, or we're not as focused in our industry, especially up here in the North where we are, when we're cracking in the summer, right. That's one of the things that get put on the back burner. Um, where, where does that, does that start with me as a leader? Does it start with, Hey, we need to reassess guys, refocus on this and do this. Is there an activity? Is it, what is it that can help us with that and keep that going? 
Yeah. Well, I think you nailed it in terms of, I think our industry and any seasonal industry, um, like I mentioned, my husband drug me into the ag world for a while. So I've done some work over in the oh, ag yeah. world, which That's is interesting because there's actually like the Cargills, the Cokes, like there's a lot yeah. of the same players um, in those industries, but um, it, the seasonality is there and there's an extra tension on industries and businesses that are seasonal. And I think you have to expect a little bit of fray, like is how I think about it during your push season. But you want to be tight enough that a little bit of fray isn't going to completely unravel you. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's super critical to think about this stuff, to think about your culture, your strategy. I mean, even your strategy about who are you in the market? How are you positioning? Who's your real competition? Yeah. How are you positioning your products? All of that stuff is part of that. But I think it has to start with leaders because we have more at stake. Right. The truth of the matter is if you're an owner, you're a key stakeholder in a business, you need to always be having a pulse on that. And you can't allow, like you're going to have a lot on your plate, but you have to have your finger on that pulse and you have to feel it when it happens. And it may mean that your team is just over, they're just overdone, yeah. right? or that you're not regularly communicating. So I mentioned communicating. We have to be kind of expressing all the time. So I love what you're doing with putting it on the floor. Yeah. Like actually put it where people can see it. Yep. And it's going to remind them. And it, that probably does more for your culture than you realize that yeah. it does because they see it every single day. But I think as leaders, we have to feel it. And then we have to, you know, really be in touch. And I think I always think about it's important to have, um, so I talked about like putting, bringing it all the way down through everybody in the company. We also need to have the communication goes both ways. We need to make sure that we have feedback loops. And when we start to feel that that's a great time to be talking to superintendents, supervisors, um, yeah. you know, all the people on a level, even go down and talk to everybody that's just out there working. Right. Mm -hmm. And just kind of, they'll tell you what's going on. They'll tell you how bad it is. Or they'll tell you if, you know, a half a day off or something's going to just save everybody. Right. There's one bad seed that's maybe causing some problems. I mean, I had a company that had no processes or systems in place for feedback and they, their retention numbers were just plummeting. Well, they had one terrible supervisor that was just running people off, but because they didn't have a feedback loop, there was no communication. They didn't, you know, the leaders hadn't designed it into the process that, one of your main jobs. So we talked about like the three things that might move your needle mm -hmm. as a leader. One of those is to understand what's going on in your company. And it probably means you need to be going and having, you know, regular structured meetings that are efficient and effective with their, your leaders in your company Yeah, and capturing what I call like a feedback loop so that you can see that and hear it quick. And once they realized a lot of damage had already been done, they had lost a lot of great people underneath him. And it was just toxic. And all they needed to do, instead of losing 10, they needed to fire one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's a, it comes down to communication and knowing what your priorities are in your role. And as a leader, you know, you got to be focused upstream and big picture on your company's strategy, but you got to still have that pulse in the company and have that communication inside the company. Yeah. And to, to think about it in that sense, I have a friend 
um, who's fairly active on LinkedIn as well, which I should mention is how we met, right? Yeah, yeah. If if you're in our industry and not on LinkedIn, you're missing out. I keep telling you that there's a lot going on there. It's it's the Instagram of five years ago for our industry. Like when I found out everybody was on it or who was on Instagram, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Now I'm talking a lot about LinkedIn, but I have a friend on there and he, he had that same experience. He had a paver operator that mainly felt like he had him by the cojones and was like right you can't get rid of me you don't know how to run the paper like like you you know and you just have to deal with it who are you going to get to lay down 150 ton the next day or whatever it was and he admittedly he's like i was he was he was right but that night i was like you know what forget it. He's like fired the guy. Luckily they had some pavers that come help him learn how to run it that day. And since then he was like, it changed the culture completely in a shift where it needed to go in order to scale, right. scale and grow and create the culture that he wanted to create. Well, yeah. Cause what it said is it said, first off to anybody else that was going to create problems, it said, we're serious. Right. 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 And also it said to everybody that was suffering because of that person that, Hey, we got your back. We're not out there to deal with this. It's not right. We know it's not right. And we're going to do the right thing because you got to work here. Like, and we want to work here. So there's multiple benefits to doing the right thing. So if you have your culture aligned correctly, and then you have your strategy, right. Of where we're going to touch on those points around the clock, like you were talking about, right. um, You're set to go. What if you're at least set to work with somebody to get a strategy to get to where you want to go. Right. Because let's be honest, it, when I started, all I knew how to do was seal coat, blacktop, patch holes, fill cracks. I didn't know anything about social media marketing or strategy or any of that thing. I'm willing to bet 80% of our business owners, in our industry are probably in that same ballpark as well. It's a lot right. easier for them to stick to what they know to do and, you know, work with somebody that they know and trust and is reputable to help with this new kind of change. Now you can kind of farm that up through your own industry. Like uh, right. your family was fortunate to do right with you. Right. Um, but there's going to be guys that don't, what are some good strategies and tips for people that are in the asphalt industry that are like, okay, I want to get to that point, right. To where, mm-hmm. where it's time for me to hire somebody to help with strategy. I would love to get to that point, but right now, it's me and two other guys and we're trying to make something happen here. What, what would be the advice right now, today's nowadays, uh, social media and world um, for some marketing and, and tips and things to get going to get to a point where they can have some income, expendable income to focus on a larger strategy plan for their company for the future. Yeah. I think usually when I'm talking to companies in that situation, um, you know, it's, it's good to, it's, I always tell them it's okay to be at that place where you need to focus on sales and you know, the creation of cash in your business, um, that it's okay to be at that place because, and, you know, I always want to remind them because sometimes I think they feel guilty. There's a little bit of like, Oh, I haven't quite made it yet or something like that. But that's not true. We all, all of our businesses, as we grow, they're like volcanoes, right? They get bigger. And as they grow, they need more cash. We always are cycling back to that phase where we don't have as many, um, you know, liquid assets to us, or we just can't spend as much on things. And we're going back to those roots of selling. So I think don't, first off, don't be ashamed that like, that's where you're at right now, because 
the world is built on those and we love it. And there's so many resources out there. So I think um, some of the things I think about are stay niche down, stay good at what you're good at and be really good at it and do it really good. Yeah. That's going to help keep you from maybe spending money on things that aren't necessary equipment, um, you know, team, stuff like that. Keep it lean, keep it niche down, focus where you can bring the most value and it's going to help keep your business streamlined and help you get the most success and also really increase your reputation. So that's going to help your bottom line and help you get there. It's really easy in the world that we live in to always want to be doing what somebody else is doing to try to get that next cool piece of equipment that does it differently. You know, really try to make sure that you're an expert at what you're doing. You've really got it mastered. And it's also the next thing about that is it leads to something that I use in strategy and it's called differentiation. So there's three criteria to any strategy. If you're going to look at a strategy and you're going to say, is this the right thing? Do we go down path A, B, or C? Whichever path you pick, you need a litmus test. Is it different? So are you differentiated from your competition? And then is it relevant to your customers? And then lastly, are you uniquely positioned to sustain it over your competition? And if you look at Apple, if you look at Google, Amazon, all of them still use this before they make decisions in their company. So it's relevant no matter how small or big that you are. But I think staying focused on where you can really be different and the better you are at something, the more different you are. So when you're small like that, Stay focused on what makes you different. Make sure that it's relevant to your customers. Don't get off on tangents and realize all of a sudden that you're not serving or solving a problem for your customers anymore. Don't add touch points. Like we talked about the touch points around the clock. If it's not relevant to your customer, it doesn't matter. Correct. Right? So don't spend money. Don't spend time on it. Maybe it'll be worth it later down the road. But if it's not relevant right now, you don't have to do it. And if you can't sustain it, it's not worth doing anyway. Right. Yeah. Even, you know, when, when I talk to people now about branding um, or we have partners that work with the podcast, um, when they see our, our media kit and it says, you know, six month minimum, they're like, really? And I'm like, it's, it, your RO, you ain't going to see an ROI in week, you know, or with, no. with, with, with one sponsors you know one sponsor on a podcast like you're gonna your your brand has to be synonymous with our brand and it takes a long time right and I think that that's the hard part for a lot of people to grasp now because you know when we think about old school they would put an ad in the newspaper right or they would just put their name in the phone book and they would get an ROI boom 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 right as soon as the ad hit right some kind of traction some kind of right right and 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 now you know, it doesn't, it's not so hot. It takes, um, you know, the lettering on your truck. It takes a podcast. If that's what you want, it takes a right. YouTube channel, videos, all these things. You know, we, we do a lot with fundraisers and giveaways just for the mm-hmm. recognition of, Hey, that we're there. Um, right. what does it, what does it look like? You think for the future of this, are, are, are people, always going to be because I don't see it ever I don't ever see it changing I think the only time it would change is if something changed 
that was beyond social media or the internet, whenever that next big industrial age things come, I think it, this stuff is pretty much mandatory, right? Like it's, Oh yeah. You, you can't I mean, function right. unless you, unless you're happy, I guess, with the two guys and you get to go fishing for half the day right. and you only right. did what you needed to right. do. But most people with an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial bug aren't happy. Um, right. That. I always tell people if you're happy being stagnant, I'm not your person. No, like, no. You're not going to like me. You're not going to enjoy me because I think it's all cyclical, right? Like right. you, you investigate, you find stuff, you design a solution, you implement it, and then you measure it. So I love what you said about six months, just to comment on that real quick. Yeah. Because something that I do that's different is after I work with my clients, we we develop the strategy, which attends, you know, I try to find data, we have qualitative data, you know, all the things to support what we're doing. Um, but I also stick around for six months and sometimes longer, depending on what they need and what resources they have internally and what the recommendations and the strategies are. Um, or else I partner them with other experts that they need to execute on that, or mm -hmm. I help them find that person and train them up inside their company. But for six months, I'm there and we're just measuring. We're just, right. you know what I mean? Because you're going to need to, it's like sailing a boat. You're going to tack, like you're going to get blown off course. Something's going to happen. So what you said about six months is right. And it's relevant for all of these types of strategic decisions that we're making. Right. You have to be ready to measure and, you know, you can't sit on it for six months and not have actively known what are we What's doing and how are we measuring it Correct. and doing it on a regular basis so that you can adjust. So I try to make sure, and like you said, we get busy in our businesses. It's hard. Right. And so you kind of need somebody saying, Hey, this is what we're measuring. What are we seeing? What does this mean for us? Mm -hmm. What could be impacting this? And if we make adjustments, we make adjustments. There's no harm and foul in that. That's what good strategy is. Um, but I think to answer your question, no, it's, it's not changing. Like we've talked about how advertising is harder. It's harder to rise above the noise, but our brand is how we're perceived in the hearts and the minds of our industry, of our markets, of our customers, of our partners, um, you know, all of those of our competition even, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be really intentional about that. And as a matter of fact, we have to be more intentional because people are actually making decisions based more about how they feel about our brand than they are about the actual products they're buying. Yeah, I think so. I mean, why do you choose Apple versus Samsung or Samsung versus Apple? Yeah. Why do you drive the car you drive, right? Why do you wear the shoes that you wear? We all do it because the brand has very intentionally positioned themselves and it's almost subconscious because we're, it's happening around us all the time. Mm -hmm. But the companies that don't figure this out are going to be the companies that get left behind yeah. and that are stagnant, that stall out, that don't make it to the next generation and that don't, you know, that just don't reach the success that they want to reach. Yeah. I, I, to comment on that, that was a fantastic point. I had a client yesterday where we estimated a project and they called us back and said somebody a little more local is offering the same service at a far better price. And my response was, how do you know it's the same service? I said, well, you know, they're going to seal coat, crack film, line stripe. I said, well, that's just the start of the service. You know, the service right. is much, much more than that. 
you know, you're trailing six months afterwards, the follow-up, the warranty, the guarantee, the owner being there on the project. I'm like, these are all things that you're paying for that's rounded into that square footage price. And you hear you're focused on somebody that can just do it the cheapest. What what you, that's literally what you're saying. So that's what you could expect, right? And the the guy was like, yeah, I, I, I know better than that. And it was literally just like, all right, but they're cheaper, <laughs> right? And so okay. then I knew, thankfully, we're in a position now where I don't, we don't have to win every client, right? right? But right. then I also knew that that wasn't the client that I wanted. I I almost want the client that values that, right? Because those are the clients that word of mouth still exists. And those are the clients that are going to go on social media or they're going to be at a meeting or at a fundraiser or whatever and say, oh, I know the company for you. These guys right. were fantastic. They did right. this, they did that. Every person I met was so knowledgeable about what we do. My crew lead here, Chris, him and I go round and round sometimes. But when I get a call back to the office and they say, Chris was fantastic. He answered every single question I knew, was very thorough. We've never had an experience like that. that those are the ones that give me goosebumps because I, I know, know, right? I know I'm doing it right. But you know, like I said, I, I, I have a shotgun tactic where we are. We're very rural. So even though I do okay. it half acidly, it's still leagues above everybody else. But I do know from having friends that are in more uh, urban areas, more populated areas, they have to be straight tacticians with this stuff. Right. Like like their strategy has to be perfect for them to rise right. above everybody else and be the cream of the crop. And that's kind of where what you do comes in fantastically. Right. Um can we talk about that a little bit and what you offer with StoryBuilt? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things what you're saying. So I think it's awesome because I think about your clock and you've got all this stuff on the backside, right? <laughs> a lot of times I see folks that have some of that and um, they just need to, then you need to market it, right? Right. You need to sell it. it. It's you an need asset. To talk about it. Yeah. If it's there, but nobody knows, like, you know, um, if nobody knows that the genius bar is in the Apple store, then yep. it doesn't matter that the genius bar is in the Apple store. I right? nailed but, it. Yeah. Right. Bingo. So, and that's part of, and that's a company. Like if you think about it, they lean heavily into purchase and post-purchase. Mm-hmm. They invested huge in what we call a temple to the brand. Right. And they said, we're not going to, even though they are incredible advertisers, they, you know, they invested a lot of their resources and assets back into those other experiences and it's paying huge dividends for them. So for me, I think I have people come to me a lot and say, we want marketing services, but like, I'm not a, I'm like, I can find you an incredible web designer, but I'm not going to start talking to you about your website until like we talk about strategy. Right. And so for me, it always starts with strategy. So for me, it's clients that are, we're not, like I said before, we're not okay with status quo. We, we want to grow and I know what I'm good at. Right. And I know that I need help to see clearly through the trees, what the best path is for me. And then I want somebody to point me in the right direction and tell me what tools I need to get there. So, um, so that's typically how I work is, you know, and it's, it's different on a case by case basis. Um, right now I'm doing a project where, you know, workforce was the bottleneck over there. And so what that's, we're tipping the strategy and we're looking at workforce, because if you think about it, 
Um, if we go back to Mike McCallowitz, another tool of his is the business hierarchy of needs. Yep. And so people think, oh, I have plenty of sales. Somebody told me the other day, I have plenty of sales. I don't have a problem in sales in my business. I just turned away a $6 million job because I, I just can't put together another crew. And I'm like, you have a sales problem because you are not capable of executing on the work that you could have. Right. right? That's still a sales, sales problem. problem. Yeah. Like sales has to go full circle. So it's really helping them understand, you know, where is that critical bottleneck in your business and really kind of like clearing off all the fog. And then once you do that for people, it's just like, oh my gosh, yes. And now <laughs> like, it's just a huge relief to have clarity. And yeah. be like, I see how I can get through this and I see how to get to the next level. Yeah. So for me, that's how I work. And then um, I can, you know, I partner with um, other agencies and with other experts. I have people, copywriters and stuff inside my company. Um, you know, I have partners. So I mostly yeah. do strategy and then I have partners or I kind of meet people where they're at. I have people that are like, hey, we want to hire somebody and build them up in our company. Well, we can design it that way. And I can help you make sure you find the right person based on where we know you're going. Or I need to find an outside agency or partner to do this for me. Yeah. I even have some that say, hey, can you act as a fractional CMO and make sure we stay on strategy for six months while we build a team or while we're transitioning to somebody doing it for us? Or can you just have, can you manage the people that you're outsourcing and just manage it for me because I don't want to touch it. Right. It's working and I don't want anything to do with that piece of it. I just want it to work. So yeah, you yeah. got to kind of meet people because all everybody's different with how they run their business. Everybody wants a certain different level of involvement. Um, and I work with different size companies. So I always say strategy first. We got to know where we're at. And it's something that most of my clients we do. It's it's harder and it's bigger the first time, but then it's something where like we find a strategy, they execute, we measure results, they get traction, they love the growth. And so like, then we do like a strategy sprint, like a year later or something, we find that next thing and it's quicker and it's easier every single time because now they know what to expect. They, you know, the weeds are starting to get cleared off and we're just relooking at, okay, what is the competition doing now? Um, what is the market doing right now? Do we have a new product that it makes sense to add to our lineup? You know, so it can be really, really quick. And it's like a flywheel in your business. And you can just get it going really, really fast. Jeannie, you geek out on this stuff. Don't I you? do. I geek out. <laughs> <laughs> totally geek out. And no, my it's... clients are so happy they don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very, 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 very cool to see. Uh, it reminds me of like um, World of Asphalt and MPE when I'm there and we're, we're talking about, you know, new products and somebody has my attention for a long time. And then I'll all of a sudden I'll snap out of it and I'll be like, man, what happened? absolutely <laughs> informative. Yes. And I, and I love it. I love that aspect of, our industry and I geek out on it as well. Right. Um, right. And it shows and it's advantageous because for a lot of people in our industry, they want nothing to do with it. So to have right. somebody that's so interested in it, that means that they're going to adapt well over time with that kind of stuff. So um, right. very, very cool. How does somebody, I, I'm, I have a feeling more than likely after this conversation, somebody's going to want to be like, Hey, how do I get a hold of Jeannie? Um, <laughs> how do they do that? How do people find you? So I'll give you two ways. 
Okay. Um, you guys can call me. Like I'm that person. Just oh, call me. Oh, like I'm right. I'm a, I'm still a little old school too. Yeah. Like pick up the phone and call me, text me. You know, I want to just talk. Like I love to hear, like I love stories. I want to mm -hmm. hear about your business. So um I'll probably drop a few golden nuggets in your lap just because I can't help it. Like I said, <laughs> um, and then I also have a tool. I actually have like a really fun um, assessment tool that companies can take. And we actually used it at world of asphalt in my presentation. We went through it and interacted on it. And then afterwards, I actually went a little bit deeper with anybody that wanted more information about, Hey, this is, you know, it looks like I have problems in sales or, it's more, um, you know, processes and systems that I'm struggling. So I actually have an assessment tool that they can go take. Cool. So I'll give you both of those All right. right now. So if you go to storybuilt.marketing slash assessment, and I'll send that link to you so you can drop it in the notes if you I want will. to. Yep. And that's storybuilt, um, B, is it B-I-L-T? B U I L T okay. dot so, marketing story build dot marketing. Yep. Slash okay. assessment. They can take the assessment tool. It's kind of fun. I love those kinds of things and it's going to help you kind of narrow in a little bit closer to what part of your business, um, you know, is it processes? Is it profit? Is it sales? You know, what is it? And then um, call me. So okay. my cell phone number is seven, two, zero, Four four one seven six six zero. Cool. And then um, I have to say to follow you on LinkedIn. There's always yep. some kind of little information coming out there that is, like you said, another little nugget here or there, or just staying up to pace with how everything is going. Um, yep. I'm gonna. I, I would like to ask you to come back on at some point here as things change yeah. in the future, and we think about that. There's gonna be, I'm sure, questions that come up and conversations with some of my friends or whoever at some whatever point about certain things as far as strategy goes. And I would love to have your take on some of those as yeah. well. So, and I'm happy to do hot seats. Hot seats are. Oh fun. yeah, yeah, um, they are. I think that would be super fun. I'm trying to. I'm gonna be speaking at the Con Expo. Um. I'm doing a presentation on strategy growth, growth strategy, and I'm also doing one on recruiting and retaining talent. So come find me there. I and, will. I'll see you um, there. Hopefully I get to like, tell me you heard me on the podcast. Like yeah. find me and tell me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then, um, yeah, I keep thinking for some of my presentations, I need to build in hot seats. It would just be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun to put people. I, I enjoy being in the hot seat. I like yeah. it. Uh, and you I just like get a little free advice. Like. And like, if some person has that question, a million people have that question. Oh yeah. And if not, they're going to get to the point where it crosses their mind. Right. So, and they go, I'm, Ooh, I got to go find that episode. Cause that's right. You're, exactly. Right. That's what I do anyways. Like I'm not, a, I do too, but like, I'm not a podcast junkie, but I'll scroll through all the episodes and see who they had as guests and what the topics were. And then right. later on my brain will go, Oh, someone so and so had a a podcast about this. Yeah. Then I'll jump back and listen to them, and hopefully, right. um, you know, business strategy will be one here for everybody as well. Thank yep. you very much. Absolutely, thank it was you. Fantastic, it was a great conversation. So for myself and for Jeannie, this is Blacktop Banner episode seventy six, and here on Blacktop Banner, we speak asphalt a lot, like a lot. We speak asphalt a lot. Enjoy. Have a good day. Peace.
Liberty Supply has been the supplier for us when it comes to supplies as far as spray tips, street brooms, um, handles, uh, pour pots, flagging tape, uh, everything that we would need. We bought a melter from them, a crack melter from them. When you call Liberty Supply, you get Sam. Sam is the owner. Sam and his brother Mike both own the company. How often can you do that? Can you call and get the owner directly as soon as you call the number? And if you go to their website, libertysupply.biz, you'll see the full array of things they got. We've purchased our chalk lines from them, our chalk. We've had to grab some number stencils and things from them from time to time. So they have a pretty good supply of everything that you would want as far as supplies and tools and things of that nature. Our spray tips we purchase from Liberty Supply. So all the spray tips for spraying our sealer, we purchase from Liberty Supply. I mentioned the website, libertysupply.biz, but you can also call 800-397-9907 and you'll get Sam. They also are on Facebook and Instagram. I recommend going and checking them out, checking them out on there as well. And if you call Liberty Supply, tell them Marvin sent you. Sam will say, oh, cool. I know that guy. Uh, I golf with Sam from time to time. And I will say I beat him by a stroke last time we were out. So you can rub that in a little bit too. But... Honestly, truthfully, when it comes to Liberty Supply, we're thankful to have them. They're a valuable resource for us here at Wiscote and Dubuque Asphalt Maintenance. Super great guys, super nice guys. They want to help. If you run into any issues, Sam will make it right. I can promise you that. What more can you ask for from a supply company, an asphalt tool and equipment supply company? If you guys have been listening to the show for any amount of time or you follow me on any social media, You'll know that I have been using Stencil Plus to get all of our stencils for our striping stuff for quite a while now. One thing about Stencil Plus is they have all the stencils that you could want. They have all the different various thicknesses of these stencils as well. They can create any custom stencil. And more than likely, if you get a hold of them and ask them to create a custom stencil of your company logo, they will do it for free. They have been doing that for a while now. But beyond that, they can create multi-piece stencils, custom stencils. Uh, they have all the stencils you could want for any of the retail chain stores. So if you're doing a big box store or something like that, they have that as well. It's really easy to find them. They're at stencilplus.com. They're on social media everywhere. Jeff and the team does a great job with their social media and being in the groups and being active on Facebook and Instagram and things like that as well. It is free shipping on all orders within the United States. That's right, free shipping on all the stencils ordered within the U.S. So pop over to stencilplus.com. You can use code BB10 to get 10% off of your order at Stencil Plus. BB10, as in Blacktop Banter, BB10. You get 10% off your order. So if you call in and say Blacktop Banter referred you, or you say BB10, or say Marvin said, I can get 10% off, They'll honor that as well. You add that in the code spot at stencilplus.com if you want as well. You'll get 10% off. The number to call if you're going to call versus go to stencilplus.com is 877-372-6055.